Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. <laughs> We're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. <laughs> We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere, to be Red hot for the Messiah. Well, my guest is red hot for the Messiah. His name is Nick Grimsman. And Nick, uh, I have so many pages here of medical reports uh, which state that uh, you were diagnosed as schizophrenic and then state uh, that they took the diagnosis away now, help me out because I'm not an expert in this, but I didn't know there was a cure for schizophrenia. I was, uh, I was diagnosed schizophrenic in 2003, and when they gave me the diagnosis, the doctors told me and my family that I was going to um, live on a um, disability, and I'm sorry, Sid, I, I, I just feel the presence of the Lord. There's people out there that really need to hear a testimony like this, and I'm so thankful that the Lord's given it to me. Well, you're doing just fine. Go ahead, because this is fascinating to me, uh, what they actually diagnosed and what they said about your future at that time. I remember sitting in the, the mental health clinic, uh, the, the county be, uh, behavioral health clinic with my mother when I was about 20, 23 years old, and, and the doctor, the psychiatrist, was looking over my records and said that I was diagnosed with incurable schizophrenia, and that within about 10 years, I could be what they call catatonic, where it's kind of like a vegetable state. And she said that I was going to live on uh, state uh, assistance, you know, government assistance, and I was going to have to live with my mother or in a group home, and I would never have to work or be able to work, or I could never have a family ever. Now, in the fog you must have been in, how much did you comprehend of what this person was saying to you and what effect did it have on you? Oh, I, I just received it that I was I had an incurable mental illness, and then I went back to my house, and I really just received it, and I sat on my couch for about six months and just uh, took the medication and, and watched television like most people with, uh, you know, mental illness do. Okay, Let, let's uh, flash back now. Uh, as a young man, you were raised in a secular home, um, and uh, at age 10, uh, you you were taken to a religious service, and you asked God a question. What was the question, and what happened? I the the pastor uh, was up up in the stage, and he was uh, at the uh, altar, and he was he was talking, and he was going to do a prayer. And when he started the prayer, I said, "God, are you really real?" And right when he was in the middle of the prayer, I heard, "I'm always with you." And then sitting right next to me, I could feel like Jesus was sitting right next to me. But you didn't have a real paradigm on what was going on uh, since you were raised in such a secular family. Um, and uh, you become a bartender at age 21. You're getting drunk every night. Uh, you're studying different religions of the world. But in 2003, a simple gospel tract was passed on to you. Uh, tell me what happened. 
well, through my uh, my early 20s, I was really looking for God. I used to uh, go to world religions classes, like you said, in college. I was uh, talking to different people. I talked to a nun. I talked to uh, people from the uh, LDS Church and, and uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I was really looking for the truth. I was going to be possibly uh, Muslim, uh, just different different pathways I was looking for. And everybody would tell me different things, and it was really frustrating for me. Like many people, they're looking for the truth. They just want truth. And I knew that when I found the truth that it would touch my heart. And I, I was frustrated, and I got this track, just a Christian track, and I called the number on their prayer line, and the lady said, are you saved? And I said, lady, what does saved mean? Hmm. What does it really mean? And she, she said, it's when you receive Jesus in your heart and you receive the Holy Spirit. And it's really simple to get saved. And she said, just pray with me. And I just prayed by faith, a simple prayer to God. And at the moment I said, the name of the Lord Jesus, I felt this warm spiritual flood come over my whole body and soul, cleanse me of everything, years of alcoholism and uh, sexual immorality, everything just washed away at that very moment in that simple prayer. Uh, what happened to your um, addiction of alcoholism? That moment, it was completely gone. I never want to drink ever again. And, you know, I, as I, I've, I've read the information about you, I, I think about myself. Uh, I don't know how I could have handled what you bumped into. It's almost like the minute you became born again and free, the devil had a strategy against your life. Uh, you decided you wanted to learn more about this Jesus, so you do what a lot of your generation does. You get on the Internet, uh, and you you see an ad. Tell me about the ad you saw that attracted your attention. Um, I, I was uh, on the Internet, and I was looking for a church or somewhere to go to uh, learn more about Christianity, like you said. And um, this church online, this ministry, supposed ministry online, said that um, they were the one true church and that they had an end-time prophet as the leader, and that this church said that if you wanted to come and serve the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that they would give you a free place to stay to serve the Lord. And so, obviously, you're naive. You go out there. It turns out to be a cult. Uh, it turned. Uh, tell me about the uh, the uh, CD they would give anyone that ever said there was something wrong with the leader. So what they would do is that they had these uh, C- CD cassette. They usually did cassette tapes, and what what it was was that um, they would have you report on each other. So we lived in this uh, commune, and I lived in an apartment complex with the single men, young men, and I was assigned a person like a, they called him an older Christian. And that person was kind of like, I uh, look at it as kind of like a handler. Like that person made sure that I didn't ask too many questions um, about what was going on and things like that. And then uh, if somebody, you know, did something that was against the commands of the prophet, uh, the church, basically, then you were supposed to write them up and then fax it over to the, the, the leader who was at a different location. I never met him. Uh, and uh, but it would basically say if you oppose the leader, you would burn in hell. Wasn't wasn't that the 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 essence of it? That was the scariest thing for me. Was the teachings that they had was that he was a last day prophet, and if anybody said anything negative about him or his doctrine, that they uh, 
they would go immediately to hell. They could go to hell, and that if they left the church, if they decided to leave the commune, then that means that they blasphemed, and they would actually use scriptures against us. So in these in these t- uh, cassette tapes that I would call rebuking cassettes, that's what it sounded like. He would yell and scream and call us all these names, and that we were going to burn in hell, and that there's a lake of fire, and really just use hellfire and brimstone against us. And I got uh, indoctrinated in this, I'm going to hell if I do anything wrong. I'm going to hell if I do anything wrong. So and it was like that all day. It was like a concentration camp almost. How did you get the nerve, <laughs> I guess I'll call it that, uh, to run away in 2003? I mean, you were in a trap. I mean, how did you bust out? Well, um, one thing with me was that I was so thankful to be saved. When I when I first felt the love of God in my heart, I was so thankful, and I, I went to this place, and I, I kept praying to God. I, I would still spend time praying to God and, and loving on Him, even though I was in this false doctrine uh, church. I'd still pray and open my heart up to the Holy Spirit. And uh, one night when I was on a, um, on like a kind of a missions trip they do, where they hand out all these tracks everywhere and stuff. Uh, I really just felt like I needed to run off. I, I just had to go. I had to leave. I started having different uh, hallucinations that were going on. and now, We'll cover that on tomorrow's broadcast. But uh, a number of years later, uh, you picked up the newspaper and you find out uh, that this man is doing a lot of illegal things. What did the article say? The, the leader of the cult that you were in. They, they said that... Uh, they said that they raided the uh, they raided the cult, and inside they found uh, in his home they found that he was living with uh, young girls as young as I think seven or eight years old as child brides, and that he was doing pornography with them, and um, he would make them uh, massage his body all day long, and the young girls have full body arthritis now, and he would travel across state lines with them, and uh, do evil things. And, and so he w- he was sentenced to prison for how long? 175 years, federal prison. Hmm. But that didn't do you any good. Uh, so so you're really insane. And you you run away uh, and you end up in in uh, an airport. Uh, what was that? The uh, uh, Nashville airport. Uh, and, uh, and we'll pick up right there on tomorrow's broadcast. But I have the documentation. What do you have? Something like a thousand pages uh, that you had incurable schizophrenia? I mean, there, there's no way you could have been set free short of the power of God. And now I have another paper uh, that says uh, you, your mental illness, you have a decertification for. What, what does this mean, decertification? When you uh, go and get diagnosed for a serious mental illness, they uh, basically give you uh, uh, services. They give you uh, mental health services through the, the county or the state. So you get free medications or, or you get hospital stays and things like that or Medicare. And the decertification uh, basically is not given out usually. They only give out maybe one a year um, possibly. Um, but to have one of those is is, is incredible for somebody who – was diagnosed with an incurable mental illness. So that's basically saying you don't have your illness, therefore you don't get any benefits. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'll tell you what. I will take being whole in Jesus any day over any government benefit. Uh, Nick, I'm so excited about the uh, short book that you wrote. It's jam-packed 
with, with information that Jesus taught him on how he could be set free from schizophrenia. But what he has found is that you can get set free from any type of addiction, uh, whether it's pornography, whether it's drugs, whether it's mental disease. Uh, and then the two CDs, teaching CDs, uh, one is uh, dealing with how to get rid of the strongholds that the devil has built in your life and addictions. Uh, and then the second teaching CD is how to have the same intimacy with God that Nick has. And I love the DVD you did in front of our studio audience um, for our television show, Prayers Leading People Step by Step. It's so simple, Nick for them to have deliverance and physical healing and the entire package we're making available for a gift of $35. Call or write today. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. We found out on yesterday's broadcast, you get born again, you get miraculously set free from a eight years of alcohol addiction, um, and uh, you're looking for a church. So you get on the Internet, and and you find uh, a place that he says he's one of the end-time prophets, and what do you know? You go out, and it's free, free room and board. You go there. It turns out to be a cult. And as a matter of fact, the cult leader was arrested and is now in prison for 175 years for abusing little girls and, and a whole lot of uh, other things. Um, and, and so uh, you're, you're at the cult before he got arrested. Uh, and, you, and you begin to notice something is wrong. Uh, before we went on the air, you were telling me about it. Would you explain that again? When I was at the cult, I started having what I call red flags. Like I started noticing different things. And uh, what, one thing that they would preach is that they're sinless that they, they, they never sin or anything. And one night I was sitting in one of the offices, and uh, I, I heard um, like an audible voice say, get up, I want to show you something. And then immediately this man said, help us, help us. So I, I come out the door, and there's these two uh, older Christians, they call them. Uh, they were supposed to be the mature Christians. They were uh, getting almost in a fist fight out front, and they were swearing and um they just had an altercation, and the whole time I was sitting there watching this and trying to break it up, I was thinking, wow, these, these people say they're sinless, but look what they're doing. They don't even love their brother. And so that was one of the a major red flag that made me think, maybe this isn't the place for me. Uh, but by this point, you had been so brainwashed and so mixed up uh, that you're beginning to hear voices. Uh, and what did this voice say to you in 2003? The voices started uh, to um, say that they were angels and that they were God. And uh, one night I was uh, I was on a uh, what they call tracking cruise where they go out and they hand out these anti-government literature. And these voices started talking to me a lot. And I started having uh, just odd hallucinations where I thought I, I could be like an angel myself or that I was Jesus or the devil. And I was so scared because of the teachings that I couldn't reach out for help, or I didn't really know what was going on. And so I decided to, um, I felt like I needed to run away from the, the group. And so I ran away to uh, 
in, in the city of Nashville. I was in Nashville. I ran out. Okay. Uh, you ran out. You ended up in the airport. Uh, you're, you're, you're acting like an insane person. You're screaming. Uh, they, they arrest you. They put you in a mental hospital. And what was the diagnosis? Uh, they diagnosed me with uh, 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 psychosis or paranoid schizophrenia. And when I was in the mental hospital there, uh, I, I was having, uh, I, I assumed that I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And there's many Christians that, that that's like one of the n- number one th- tricks the devil uses against Christians, especially young Christians, is that they blasphemed. And so I, I, uh, I believed that I blasphemed because of the teachings from the, the false prophet. And so these, uh, it, it gave the, I believe, gave the you know, evil spirits a, a right to torment me about that fear. Uh, all right. So why did they release you from the mental hospital? What happens is, is that you go into a mental hospital and then they give you uh, they give you a lot of medications. And a lot of times the medications, you know, the medications don't heal you, but they, they kind of patch work stuff up, kind of like a bandage. And so once I start getting some of the, uh, you know, a lot of the medication in me, the voices stop because my brain was kind of, um, you know, they, they kind of numb your brain. Okay, so so did they put you in a halfway house then when the voices stopped? Well, the voices weren't totally gone, but I wasn't acting out like I was before mm-hmm. when I first got in. Okay, but what I'm trying to find out is they just release you, or did they put you into some sort of program? Yeah, so I was in, um, I was in for observation, and then they let me go back to my family in Phoenix, Arizona. But instead of that, you go to Hollywood. Why do you go to Hollywood? Well, once I get back to Phoenix, Arizona, I was staying with my mother, and I had so much anxiety in my in my stomach. It felt like a, a ball of fear in my stomach that I would walk back and forth in her house, and all I could say was, praise you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, because I had this, uh, this, this uh, torment that said, uh, one of the teachings was, if you don't praise God all day long, then you're going to burn in hell. Mm. That's what I took from it. So that's what I was doing all day long. I was saying, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, all day long. And I was like insane. I was walking back and forth in my mother's uh, condo on the, uh, uh, in, in Phoenix. And then the, uh, the voices told me that if I took the medications, then there's no way that I could ever um, uh, go to heaven. And so I wouldn't take the medications. And um, I'd only take them when the, when the case managers would make me take them. And then I decided to uh, run away again back to the cult because they said I could come back. Uh, so, so you go to a cult. Uh, they had various locations, uh, one in uh, Hollywood, California. Uh, but you started acting so bizarre. Uh, you were suicidal. Uh, and they decided uh, that they were going to just get rid of you. And they put you on a bus and bought you a one-way ticket. Um, that was actually uh, the yeah, the last. That was the last time I went back. I actually went back twice because I was so afraid. So the first time I went back, I went back to the outpost outside of Hollywood, and I started having so many hallucinations there um, because I, I still felt like I blasphemed and I was so afraid and I couldn't speak and I felt like I was feeble-minded. They eventually just said, "Get all your stuff together. You're going to go hand out some tracks." And so I said, "Okay." So I grabbed all my tracks or all my. Uh, my personal possessions, and I got in their van, and they dropped me off um, at a at a sandwich a sandwich restaurant on the in, in Hollywood. 
and what happened there? I woke up in the morning. I fell asleep at a bus station, and I was having a lot of hallucinations, but I don't want to talk about all the hallucinations. I don't want to okay, glorify that's them. That's fine. Um, and I was at the bus stop, and I woke up in the morning, and immediately the voices came to me and said, if, you, if you're really not ashamed of Jesus, prove it to us. Prove it to the world. And I looked up at the sky, and it looked like Jesus was coming through the clouds. I was having a hallucination, and I thought Jesus was coming back for the world. And I thought that I blasphemed, and, and I, I wanted to show him that I would still serve him, you know, that I still loved him. And so um, they said, if you're not ashamed of Jesus, take off all your clothes and show the world. And so I, I took off all my clothes. I was 23 years old. I took off all my clothes, and I walked down the street naked in Hollywood. So they naturally institutionalize you at that point. Uh, you're still having hallucinations, uh, and you leave that uh, you leave that institution, and you end up in a in another uh, cult place, same cult, but this one's in Arkansas. You're acting so bizarre uh, that they put you on a bus, a one-way ticket to Phoenix. And that's when God stepped in. Tell me about what happened when you went into the Assembly of God Church. Well, I, I got, um, I, I left the cult and I came back and I was really, really ill. And my family completely didn't know what to do. They completely just pretty much gave up. And I would pray uh, just a little bit every night, probably for one minute, because the voices wouldn't let me talk. And I'd ask God just to have mercy on me. And I told him, that if I did blaspheme, then I'd still serve him. Like, I'd still serve him just because I loved him. And uh, my mother said, why don't you try this church by our house? It seems like a really good church. And so I went to this little Assemblies of God church. And it was a, you know, spirit-filled church. And I went there, and I would go to the prayer meetings and things. And one night, I was, I was down at the altar, and... Uh, the, the, you know, the place where people worship and pray. And I, I was down there, and these people prayed over me. And this this spiritual force left my brain. It was like, it felt like it got sucked out of my brain. And it felt so good, and I was so thankful. And I, I had the revelation that night that I, I had these things, like, latched on my mind, like a uh, like they were wrapped around my mind, intertwined, kind of like a spider web. And then I could be free. And over a period of three months, step by step, God shows you how to be free. And then the voices stopped and you came in to, you know, I'm reminded of the scripture, to him who's forgiven much, they love much. And I would have to say that's got to be your life scripture, <laughs> Nick. Nick was diagnosed with incurable schizophrenia. Uh, there was no hope for him. He had been involved in a religious cult, and uh, they did what the devil wanted them to do. Uh, he was left hopeless. But he went home in his worst situation, and his his mom said, there's a nice little assembly of God church. Why don't you go there? He goes down to the altar, and he gets, uh, gets enough of deliverance that he can think clear. And he started getting revelations of what was wrong with him. Uh, what did God begin to show you? He starts showing me that, um, that when, you, when I believe lies, when I was believing lies, that, um, 
somehow the evil spirits could come and uh, attach to those lies. And since I was in a cult and I believed a lot of uh, false doctrines and a lot of fear about blasphemy and uh, things like that, um, I had a lot of these different strongholds. They're like almost wrapped around my mind, it felt like. And so after I prayed that night with those people, I came back to my house and my mother had a pool outside. I always remember this. My mother had this pool outside. And uh, I used to walk around the pool and I'd listen to um, uh, MP3 music, you know, like a CD of uh, mm-hmm. worship music. I, I walk around the pool and I'd pray. And I prayed like the, the people did for me at the altar. You know, they, they commanded Satan to come out in the name of Jesus. And it was that easy. And so I went around the pool and I started commanding Satan to come out in the name of Jesus. I said, in the name of Jesus, Satan, you will leave me. You will come out in the name of Jesus. Leave my brain. And I still remember the first evil spirit that came out of me through self-deliverance. I had my hand on my stomach. because, And that's what you teach now, self-deliverance. It's, uh, I mean, how, how many Bible believers have ever had a course in that? Not too many. Go ahead. So I was walking around this pool, and I was crying to God, and I put my hand on my stomach, and I just said, in the name of Jesus, you will come out, Satan, for like probably the hundredth time in like the hour. All of a sudden, this, this spiritual force started like shaking me, and this thing just lifted right out of my head, and it came out so, came out of my body, it came out so fast and so powerful that I fell on the ground, and I just started crying. And I was so thankful. At that moment, I realized what Jesus said is real. That is 100% true that in, in my name, you will cast out evil spirits. Now, uh, it took about three months of you just going step by step as the Holy Spirit was showing you. Uh, and uh, how long did it take you to get off of all your medications? You were taking about eight to ten uh, medications a day. And you were involved in pornography and, and, and smoking and other things. Uh, how long did it take to get free? And, and, and have the schizophrenia, period, how long? The schizophrenia itself left uh, within uh, three to six months. I'm not really sure exactly. But it was like it felt like it was layers. Like it wasn't just I prayed one time around the pool and it left. It was layers of lies that I was believing that were built on other lies. And so I had these addictions Um, because when I got out of the cult, I was trying to uh, be part of the world again. And so I picked up all these addictions again. I was smoking. I was uh, excessive eating. I was looking at pornography. I was severely addicted to pornography, Um, just just different sins that I was, you know, bondages that I was in that I used to be free from. And I got into them again because my personality, I was just trying to find myself. Because for people out there who struggle with mental illness, they can – they, they know what, what I'm talking about here. It's almost like um, my personality was a block of cheese. And when I got diagnosed with schizophrenia, it was like the, the cheese went through a grater. And then they put it in a bag and they handed it to me. And then I tried to find my personality again. And when it's like that, it's, it was, it's only by the grace of God that you can find your true identity. Okay. So it took... Several months to get free of schizophrenia. How long did you get free of some of the things like pornography and smoking and other things you picked up? Um, it took a, a while to get free from smoking because um, part of me, re- that, that uh, reminded me of my childhood. And so that was a stronghold that took a while to deal with. And the, the great thing about uh, 
the the process of deliverance from smoking in general was that I learned really how to uh, how to pray more. You know, a lot of times uh, I, you want to be free so bad, but sometimes God wants you to overcome things. And so I would look for deliverance. I'd go places, pray for me. I want this uh, cigarette addiction gone. But the Lord wanted to do it himself in my room one night. One night I was I was crying out to him, and, and I remember he just, the Holy Spirit came in my room, and he just, he just came right upon me when I was laying down on my bed. And then the spirit that was causing me to smoke so much, it just lifted right out of my body, and I never smoked again. And and uh, another thing that I think is so wonderful is you attached yourself to a senior man that understood deliverance. And uh, you would see people healed of things like cancer and uh, mental illness and almost everything. Am I right? Yeah, we... Uh... Um, this, uh, this gentleman was a, a Christian counselor and he kind of took me under his wing. He went to the church that I was uh, going to and he took me under his wing and, and he, uh, helped me realize that I wasn't, uh, a blasphemer, that I didn't blaspheme. And, um, and, and he, he really mentored me a lot in, in the deliverance and healing. And yeah, you know, with the stronghold that you had, that you had blasphemed the Holy Spirit, it must've been very hard to, uh, for, uh, to, to just come to the conclusion it's not true because you have so many layers or bands of these demonic strongholds. Mm -hmm. And one thing with uh, working with people now in the ministry, I I see many people who are diagnosed uh, mentally ill who actually believe that, that that they blasphemed. And so if you go into a mental hospital, a great percentage of the people in there actually believe they blasphemed. And through that fear, the enemy can keep them in bondage. Uh, well, just, just out of curiosity, what would be one or two quick steps if you bumped into someone and they said, oh, I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus, but uh, I've committed the uh, unpardonable sin. Uh, what would you do? Uh, the first thing I ask them is, uh, why do they believe that? And then uh, the most thing I hear is that they send too much, that they think they're, you know, they send too much. And then also I, I let them know that if you, were, if you were actually a blasphemer and you actually did all that, you wouldn't care because real blasphemers do not care. So if you have conviction for something or you feel like you did something wrong, that means God's still working with you. So you never blasphemed. But I would still think there's in such a fog that that's good logic for someone not in a fog. But for someone in that fog, how do you get through? Well, sometimes it, it does take a, a mature Christian to walk through the Word of God with them, um, and it has to be done in love. A lot of times uh, people, you know, they get legalistic and things, but it's really, uh, it's really love that sets people free. And I've met many people um, that uh, believe that they blasphemed, and I've never met somebody who actually did. Now, this is the most amazing thing. Wait till you hear this. Uh, Nick was decertified of being schizophrenic, went back to the institution uh, that he was a patient in and became a manager there. And you had 50 employees under you. Is that true? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I became a, a manager and then they moved me up to an administrator where I was running several programs. We worked with uh, HUD programs uh, with people who were struggling with uh, mental illness and uh, alcoholism, and, you know, drug addiction who we were put in uh, apartments. 
I, I did an events program. I ran a, a program for crisis where people would call and they would have uh, problems and we'd go to their house and support them. So I have uh, a lot of experience with helping people. You must have a lot of compassion for people that were where you were at. Um, what about all those, you know, and I was shocked when you told me this, that the uh, cult you were part of that really caused your serious problems, uh, although the cult leader is in prison for 175 years, a lot of the people are, are, are so broken, they're still in the cult. Yeah, unfortunately, um, uh, some people are still still operating in the cult, and they they still um, you know do his uh, his writings and things and hand those out. And it's very sad. I pray for them. Mm. Okay, so why do you want people to know they can be free of mental illness? They can be free of spirits of infirmity. They can be free of fear. They can be free of addictions of all kinds. Uh, they, they can be free of these curses. Uh, so few teach on this. Uh, is, is this your passion, to get people free? Yes, it is, because when I was, uh, when I was diagnosed, my mother called, uh, she called many churches in, in, in the area we lived in, all the big churches, small churches, and she was asking them specifically, can you help somebody with schizophrenia? Can you help somebody who has demons? Because um, my my mom pretty much figured I did because I would talk to him all day and things and and uh, all the churches told my mother that uh, that I just needed to go to the psych hospital or that they didn't believe that um, you know Christians could have you know schizophrenia if they was really a Christian or or have spirits or anything like that and so my passion is now is to basically um, I want to expose the devil that's what I want to do I want to expose the devil. Because the devil is taking people's, trying to take people's destinies from them. Okay, the the booklet you wrote, it's amazing. You you have put so much in this short book. You've jam packed it, but it's not just theory. It's scripture and what you've walked through, and step by step how people can get free. Not only do we have the book, but we also have a DVD in which you pray for people to be set free from addictions, from emotional problems, from mental problems, from addictions of all kinds, and then you pray that prayer prayer over them, and then the two teaching CDs, uh, the first CD, you, you explain how strongholds operate and how someone go through self-deliverance step-by-step, step, how to get free of addictions, and you teach on it, and the second CD is Intimacy with the Holy Spirit, which I understand is one of your favorite subjects, and we're making this entire uh, freedom package available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Just out of curiosity, Nick, uh, it took a number of months for you to be set free. Uh, is that the norm or not necessarily? Um, it's, it's not necessarily the norm. You can't really put, um, I've learned that you can't really put the Holy Spirit in a box. So it, it could be uh, quicker for somebody or it could be longer for somebody. It just depends on, I guess, uh, where they're at in their faith level. Or uh, for me personally, when I was dealing with schizophrenia, I had layers of different things that I had to deal with to be free. You know, I'm reminded of one of the things you got free of, 
uh, which is considered by psychiatrists one of the strongest addictions out there. I, I was shocked when I heard this. Pornography. And you struggled with pornography. Now, I had a friend who's in heaven right now. His name is Dr. Derek Prince. And he used to make the statement that God does not set you free from your friends. He only sets you free from your enemies. Do you understand that? Totally. I totally understand that, and I agree with him. Uh, How did it work with you with pornography? Pornography for me with... uh... See, it goes back to when I was a child. My my father, um, you know, rejected us um, and left when I was about eight or nine. And my parents were divorced. And um, I found that um, when when we have rejection issues or we have uh, pain in our hearts, a lot of times we la- we uh, look for love in all the wrong places, right? We look for love. And so a lot of people latch on to lust because lust is the opposite of love in a way. And so lust is like the world's type of love. So at a young age, uh, I started doing pornography, probably about 10 years old. I had a neighbor uh, gentleman, he, he showed me his Playboy collection. And ever since then, I was, I was addicted to lust. And then it moved on to once I became uh, saved, I was uh, free from it at, at first. And then once I, I went into the cult and I got brainwashed and I tried to find myself again, I latched back onto that lust. And so then the addiction to pornography was so horrible and it was so um, tormenting to me. I felt like the biggest hypocrite. And I always thought I was going to go to hell for my addiction and all these things. And then, um, you know, I, you, I went online. I looked for different, you know, different ideas of how to be free from it. And people would say, you know, deny your flesh and things. And then I realized and I, I learned that pornography, lust is a spirit. And that the person actually doesn't like doing pornography it's a spirit that likes to do pornography that can be inside the person's brain. A lot of people will say, oh, well, Christians can't have evil spirits and things like that. But um, biblically, uh, Jesus went and he cast the, um, the thieves out of the temple, and we are the temple of God. And so he cast the thieves out of the, the outer court. And the, but, but the thieves were not in the Holy of Holies or the Spirit. Correct. And so a lot of Christians, they, they don't understand the body, soul, and spirit concept, but your spirit, man, is saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and it, no demons could get in there. But your flesh and your mind can have these attacks or these things latch onto your body, causing infirmity, anxiety. Well, the Bible talks about a spirit of infirmity, and certainly a Christian gets sick. And that's a spirit of infirmity. Uh, to me, it's pretty conclusive. Absolutely. And here's another one for you. When somebody goes up to the altar to get saved and they have cancer, they don't always get delivered or healed when they get saved. They have to have faith for it. So you could go and get saved and still be sick in your body. You have to have faith for healing and faith for deliverance. Now, you have faith for people with mental illness. You have faith for people with schizophrenia because you walk through it. You have faith for people with, uh, 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 that are addicted to pornography. What, but you, you've prayed for hundreds of different things. Tell me a few of the things you've prayed for that people have been set free from understanding uh, the demonic realm and self-deliverance. I've seen two different uh, women be delivered from multiple sclerosis, MS, they call it, 
Right. I've seen uh, one lady listen to one of my CDs, and she said that she felt uh, a spirit in her uh, her breast come out, like fly out of her when during the prayer time, and uh, she w- she had no more breast cancer. She was healed of breast cancer. I saw another lady through deliverance, uh, self-deliverance, get uh, cast out stage four bladder cancer. She was she was supposed to die, and she was completely healed because she cast out the disease. See, Paul told us that if we uh, if we sow to the flesh, we, of the flesh we're going to reap corruption. Who causes corruption? The enemy. And so a lot of times these evil spirits from generational or from our past lives or whatever, they attach to our flesh, causing sickness or disease. And through the blood of Jesus and our faith and realizing it's a spiritual problem and not, not necessarily a uh, you know, health issue, sometimes it is a health issue, but sometimes it, it's a spiritual issue and you can actually cast it out. And well, well, see, a lot of people don't understand this. Uh, there is a deliverance ministry, and many people have sicknesses, and there's a healing ministry. And if you're dealing with an evil spirit, you should not be praying for healing. You should be casting that spirit of infirmity out, and people don't even get that. Amen. And I believe that uh, uh, ministry, um, uh, being a minister of the gospel, it should have everything included, healing, deliverance, everything. So um, when, you, when somebody comes up for prayer, um, the Holy Spirit can reveal to you if there's any healing or deliverance. And what I usually tell people who doubt this type of thing is to personally, in your prayer time, a lot of times we get, we get taught different things that, that might be wrong. You know, somebody told them, oh, you know, Christians can't, um, you know, they can't have evil spirits causing sickness. That's not right, da-da-da. But if you sincerely ask Jesus in prayer, if what you're dealing with is an evil spirit— he will answer you because he's faithful and he wants to help. Uh, how, have you had much experience in generational curses that give these strongholds place? Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I've personally, I learned that um, the evil spirits can come through like bloodlines, like your, your generations. Um, my grandmother, she used to do a lot of witchcraft. And so when I was a young kid, I was, uh, I was into Ouija board. I was into palm reading and uh, the occult type things, I believe, um, because it, was, it got passed down to me. And so through um, what, what I've personally done is I've um, went through and, you know, I wrote down everything. Because, you know, I, I take my relationship with Jesus very seriously. So I write down everything that I, I think that could have came through generations. And then I just pray blessings on each person, like my grandmother or, or maybe people I don't even know might have let something in my bloodline or in my generations or my genes, or my DNA, or whatever you want to say. But, and then I ask the Lord to break those curses, and then I just cast out anything that could have been um, coming through that. Do you see a danger that in the entertainment industry now, so much is having to do with vampires and with ghosts and with UFOs and, uh, is, 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 and people being demonized? Uh, do you see a danger in, in Christian watching these types of TV and Tell, uh, in movies? Yeah, absolutely. What happens is is that um, people or young people, they, they watch certain uh, things uh, about uh, demonic type thing, activity and things, especially like things with a lot of fear in it or uh, a lot of murder and, and uh, dark things. They can actually, um, fear and things can actually come into their mind. And so you might have a child that is dealing with anxiety at school or ADHD and you don't understand what's wrong, but 
if you look at some of the things maybe the child's actually watching on television and the movies and video games, that could be the problem. It's, the evil spirits can actually get in their minds through what they see and what they, they hear. Kind of like garbage in, garbage out, they say. Okay. Let's suppose you, you had a, a 10-year-old nephew uh, that was doing this and you were going to minister to him. What would you say to him? I would explain uh, why I believe that uh, uh, the certain things aren't uh, proper for him, and then I would ask him his symptoms that maybe he's ha- having, like uh, uh, anxiety or ADHD or depression, uh, nightmares. Um, and then what I would do is I explain the love of God, and I'd ask the Holy Spirit to come, and I'd try to minister the love of God to the person. And what happens is, is people start feeling more the love of God. And then they want to pursue Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and pretty soon these chains of um, wanting to see this different stuff fall off of them. Now, just out of curiosity, with everything that you've been in and with all the people you've prayed for to have deliverance, do you have fear of the, the demonic? No, not at all. Not at all. Why? Because I know that he who's in me is greater than he who's in the world and that no undeserved curse shall ever land. So I understand uh, the spiritual concept of if I, am a, if I walk closely with the Lord and I work on my own internal stuff, I call it junk. So if I deal with things in my life, like let's say bad attitudes or certain little sins or, or whatever is going on, um, I know that the Lord will be faithful to protect me from anything the enemy tries to throw at me. My guest here, Nick Grimsman, uh, he had incurable schizophrenia. And you know what it says in Scripture, to him who's forgiven much, they love much. And the Holy Spirit took him step by step, showed him how to be free, how to do his own self-deliverance. And you may have uh, problems with uh, relatives that have uh, mental disorders or tormenting spirits or addictions of all kinds from pornography to alcohol uh, to drugs or, or dealing with emotional problems and dealing with fear uh, and dealing with physical problems because a lot of physical healing happens once you get rid of the strongholds and you get rid of the curses and you get rid of the spirits of infirmity. And so few Christians understand this. But Nick, the scripture that I said just came to me so loud and clear when you were sharing how God set you free. And I think to myself, oh God, how could I have dealt with what Nick dealt with? But you know what? To someone that is forgiven much, they love much. And that's what I'm getting from you, Nick. I am, I, the first time I spoke to you on the phone, I could feel such a presence of the love of God. Uh, how can others have that type of presence around them, have, 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 have such intimacy with God the way you do? Well, Sid, uh, it's actually pretty easy. You know, the Bible says that if you, uh, if you seek the Lord, you'll find him. And so I, 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 I would get on my floor and I'd pray on my face in, in different ways, you know, sit down and stuff. But I would always quote that scripture. I'd say, Lord, you know, you are a great reward of those who, who seek you. You said that if, if I seek you, I'll find you. And I asked the Lord, how far can you take me in one life? I said, how far can you take somebody who seeks you? And I never thought that when I was sitting in a mental hospital years ago, that I'd ever be able to uh, minister to others uh, hope and love. 
I, I, I feel like you have such compassion. That, that's got to do with uh, why the healing gift is, is, is so amazing in your life. Uh, for, for instance, have you really prayed with people that uh, teeth grew back? Yeah, we were up at a uh, we were up at a children's home uh, up in uh, north of Phoenix, Arizona, and a, and a young girl had her her tooth. It was like it was uh, it was like down and over, and it was bothering her. And we prayed for it, and it grew back into place in front of everybody. And all these kids were giving their life to the Lord. Uh, tell me, I want you to tell me one person you prayed for that brought you great satisfaction. One person, one situation. Well, I, I visited a young lady um, at a at the children's hospital in Phoenix, Arizona. I went I went there to pray for a, a young girl. She was 13. She just had heart surgery, and uh, they were leaving the next day, and they needed prayer. And so I prayed with this young girl, and she gave her heart to the Lord, and she was crying, and she was so thankful that the Lord saved her. And uh, in the middle of rejoicing that she got saved, she looks up at me and she says do you think Jesus can heal my arm? And here she is. She has a, uh, she just had heart surgery and she wants her arm healed. <laughs> I said, yeah. Well, what was wrong with her arm? She holds up her arm and it's literally probably three or four inches in diameter and length shorter than the other one. Because she, she said that, her growth plate, she fell or something when she was, you know, six or seven or something, and her growth plate broke or something like that. And she wanted it the same length as the other one. What, what was going on inside of you when she said that to you? Well, I was rejoicing over her salvation and, and that God was touching her. And I said, oh, yeah, God can heal you. And I look over, and I'm like, whoa, that's that's a big miracle, Lord. And, you know, inside I was like, oh, that's a big miracle, Lord. But I know you can do it. And so we prayed. And she asked Jesus to grow her arm out, and her mom was standing right there, and this arm instantly grew out like three, I would say three, maybe four inches in length, and then it got fat like the other arm. It wasn't skinny anymore like a little kid's arm. My goodness, I wish I had had a camera on that <laughs> in, the, in the hospital room. Uh, tell me just briefly some issues that can prevent someone from receiving their freedom, their deliverance. Well, one issue is uh, you know, unforgiveness. A lot of times we've been hurt and we hold on to uh, anger or uh, unforgiveness in our hearts. And Jesus said that if we don't forgive others, we can't be forgiven. Basically, we can't experience the kingdom of God um, on earth if we're not living a, you know, forgiving others. And so a lot of times when I pray for people, that's a major issue is that they've been hurt and they need a lot of uh, healing, you know, in their heart first before they can actually get, let's say, arthritis or something cast out of them. They actually need to forgive people. So I've seen a lot of people just, when they forgive somebody, the infirmity will actually just leave their body. Have you seen someone with arthritis that has forgiven and then the spirit of arthritis has left? Yeah, I saw actually a lady who um, I was at, uh, I was walking by a, a fast food restaurant and uh, it was like a strip mall. I was walking by and this this lady was a, a homeless a homeless individual and she was sitting outside this restaurant. I said, hey, would you like me to buy you some food? So I went in and bought her some food, come out. And she was a, um, she was very hurt, stuff going on with her life. And so I, I prayed with her and uh, we, we prayed uh, for forgiveness and things and she received Jesus and she was, uh, she couldn't actually get up 
to go inside and get the food with me because she had such bad arthritis in her whole body. And um, the Lord instantly healed her when she when she prayed. It just went out of her body. And I saw her like two months later accidentally, and she was completely healed still. Tell me another issue that might prevent deliverance. Um, a failure to... Um, failure to uh, live a lifestyle of repentance. You know, Jesus said that, you know, that we're supposed to repent. Well, well wait a second. The popular teaching of the day is uh, that when you got born again, you repented for all of your sins and, and you don't have to keep repenting. What would you say to that? Well, that's actually, uh, that, that's actually not true because uh, we're actually supposed to deal with all our stuff. Paul said that we're, if you steal, you're supposed to steal no more. He said that if you're, uh, you know, that we're supposed to cast off the works of darkness. So if, if you're doing something that is against the Word of God, you're supposed to deal with it and get rid of it. That's, that's how you actually enter into life. Hebrews chapter 6 actually says that. Paul actually wrote, let's not go back to the basic principles, the elementary principles of the gospel, which is faith towards God, repentance from dead works. So if you, without repentance, you, you, you can't even access the kingdom of God. So tell me a little bit more about uh, some of these issues that prevent deliverance. Uh, a lot of times people are, um, they're, they're just living in sin. They don't even realize it. Somebody will come up for prayer, and they'll be sleeping with their boyfriend, and they'll want to be healed of a disease, and they're Christians already, and they know they're not supposed to be doing that. And so you pray for them, and nothing happens, and then later on you find out, well, they're, you know, they're, they're, just, you know, they're sleeping together, and they don't want to repent of it. Well, that you can't access the kingdom of God without the basic elementary principle of repentance. Hmm. So you can see how the devil is spreading the lie. You don't have to live a repentant life. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, because that, that then just traps them for the rest of their life. Exactly. So Paul said, if you practice such things, anger, um, fornication, if you practice adultery, practice getting drunk, things like that, if you practice sin, then you, you cannot enter, you cannot partake of the kingdom of God now. You can't do it. You can't get delivered if you're practicing, making a practice of sin. Uh, another issue you talk about is believing lies in your mind, such as what? Uh, for instance, if you believe you blasphemed, or if you believed you're ugly, or if you believe that um, your disease is incurable, or if you believe that God doesn't love you, you believe that people hate you, you believe you're rejected, so you believe all these lies. And, and I've bumped into people that believe these things, that are Christians, that attend church every week, but you can't talk them out of it. And, and that's a stronghold that they have to actually walk through. And the, the, the main thing is your will. So when I was saying practicing sin, I'm not talking about somebody struggling with pornography. I'm talking about somebody who practices it and doesn't care. Same thing with lies. If uh, you feel like you're rejected or you, you hate yourself, if you really want to be free from it and you seek the Lord for it, then you could be free from it. But if you're just going to eat the lie like it's a piece of cake, then you're just going to be stuck with the lie. Well, there's so many people that are listening to us right now that are trapped in homosexuality, trapped in uh, self-hatred, trapped in addictions of all kinds, trapped in generational curses, trapped in, uh, in sicknesses of all kinds, trapped in mental uh, disease, trapped in all sorts of emotional problems. Uh, and step by step, the Holy Spirit directed Nick Grimsman. 
how to be free from schizophrenia. And these same steps work for all of these areas. And he has the most powerful booklet that covers self-deliverance, jam-packed with how-to. It's a how-to book uh, and two CDs, Freedom for Intimacy, How to Be Free from the Demonic and Free to Love God, uh, and then the special DVD that we, we did at our Supernatural Television Studio in which he prays prayers leading people step-by-step through deliverance and healing. Available, the Freedom Package is available for a gift of $35. Uh, This is the Shabbat broadcast. Let me pray over you. The Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord, he's smiling upon you right now. The Lord, is surrounding you. He's surrounding you totally with his acceptance, with his love, with his favor. Right now, the Lord is gifting you right now. The Lord is giving you his shalom. It's a Hebrew word which means peace, but also means completeness. The Lord is giving you his completeness right now in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body, in the name that is above every name. Yeshua HaMashiach Sikinu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.